Is this the bit where we talk about everybody getting released? <laughs> this is this is oddly enough with our new format. This is the greatest time of year because there are all these people. <laughs> this is, there's all these people behind this invisible wall, like trapped in another dimension, like crisis on infinite earths. And then all of a sudden they get like they phase through, and you're just like, oh my god, you do exist. You're back. <laughs> you're back. You're back, Joe. Holy shit. How was it, Samoa Joe? I haven't seen you in four years. Where have you been? <laughs> it's it's just like well ah uh, dang it we can no longer talk about the iconics anymore oh wait a minute uh yeah but we can't talk about samoa joe wait Ooh, a minute it's fine but we can never talk about samoa joe's awesome theme song again uh, that's oh unfortunate. yeah we can't talk about mojo raleigh no that's just the end of the that's sentence we yeah, cannot we're... talk about mojo raleigh So welcome to Fight Boys, a show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I'm the first face on wrestling podcasts, Mount Rushmore, Scotty Moore. I am recently released Blake Tanner. I am wondering what old man Scotty is doing in his rocking chair <laughs> recorder. Oh, that's a story. That is a story. Well, you see, man, Abigail came to me. Oh, wait, I can't do that anymore. Nope. Can't do that this season. Oh. So. Well, no, that the- character's dead. So you oh. totally can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any dead character is fine to talk about. Yeah. Can we quickly, for the next year, establish what do we want to call the company that we cannot? I don't want to go with the Fed, because that's too carny for me. The, me- the main roster. The main, <laughs> just the main roster in general. Okay, we can do that. Yeah, that allows us to periodically talk about NXT if they do something really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's just like when we have to say the full name, it's just static plays over it. It's NXT. Okay. You yeah. Have to, yeah, you have to uh, dub in the uh, the sound of a bell dinging. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so these next, I don't know how long we're going to be doing this. I guess doing it until we're no longer tired of pro wrestling. But uh, for the next few episodes, we're just going to be talking about the good shit to try to reinvigorate our love of wrestling. And I'm willing to do this up until double or nothing, which I'm going to try to go to with everything I have. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. (laughs) Oh, wait, you have to stay at my house. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, I've already I've already talked to Blake about that weekend plan because we also still have Disney World tickets. Yeah, the only thing that w- that's holding us up is the uh, just extremely expensive plane tickets. Yeah, I guess it's people horny for being vaccinated and just wanting to go to places. Oh, all these oh, vax no. happy uh, bastards. Are you are you flying into Orlando? Yeah, yeah. That's Star Wars weekends. Oh, oh no! Oh shit! Oh no! Our Disney tickets. I, I mean, mean you, you t- can go to like the Flower and Garden Festival and like Magic Kingdom, but you just can't see Batu. Yeah. Oh God, shit! Damn it! There goes my dream. Uh, I know. Of fucking another lightsaber down the tube. You can go to Disney Springs and get one. They have two Star Wars stores. I'll okay. I'll do that. Yeah. 
It's it won't be the same as the experience, but no, it's worth it. Um, oh, oh, it's okay. You would have had to book your experience literally today in order to get it. Even then, you, <laughs> you would have had to book it a year ago. I fucking. Oh yeah, well, because they had to cut down on the number of appointments because of social distancing, mm-hmm. so you didn't have a fucking shot in hell. God, I fucking. Yeah. I I had to just hound over those appointment slots last year for oh, yeah. weeks. To get a lightsaber appointment. And then fucking the week before. I'm sorry, I can't go into this again. We're, this is a wrestling hey, guy, podcast. I was just say, guys, should we talk about professional wrestling? Yeah. Who uh, wants to... Uh, well, this week we are ma- doing our wrestling Mount Rushmores. And before we establish, we're going to round robin it. Each of us take one. I do have a question ahead of time. Did either of you go with basic answers for any of them? Like... Like Rock, Austin, Flair, yeah. I I surprisingly straight away. There's only one I think that might be in that conversation. There was one. I, there was one. I for the fourth slot. There was one where I was like, it can be no one else for me. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. there are two that I think there there is one that I think you both of you could expect me to have. But there there are two uh, who I would say are very basic because. When I was a kid, I had no concept of professional wrestling, but even Blake, then... Blake, Blake, does does one of your Hall of Fames do this? Yeah, does one of them... <laughs> Indeed! Uh, per- Indeed! <laughs> yes! Um, In fact, yeah, f- I appreciate Blake, that reference. Yes. <laughs> Blake, would you like to begin with uh, the one that's obvious for you? Yes, I, I will. Here, we'll start. all go. Well, first round, we'll all do our obvious choice. <laughs> uh, well, no, if you want me to go with my, uh, well, no, the other two are basic, not obvious to me. Um, but yes, my first pick for my wrestling hall of fame, my George Washington, if you will, um, yeah. Daniel Bryan, because it's it, such a good pick. It, it really is. Yeah, it's such a good story. He is such a great dude, a great wrestler, and he is. He's just been everywhere and done everything at this point. And he is, uh, to me, because Daniel Bryan, uh, even more so than I think uh, most people who have followed him, for me, he holds a very special place in my own wrestling story because the first major wrestling pay-per-view that I watched was WrestleMania 30. And I've probably told this story a ton of times before. I probably mentioned it because it was the first Wrestle History X that I did. Um... It, it, because I got to see his crowning moment after uh, the company tried to hold him down after the yep. the main roster put the squeeze to him. He, <laughs> he came out on top, and even beforehand, he was a masterful wrestler. He, uh, he killed it in uh, Ring of Honor and in the Independence. He was the guy that in would... In New you, Japan. He do, yeah, fucking New Japan. Our, our American Dragon. Man. <laughs> oh yeah, curry man. He was curry man. He's hot. He's spicy. He tastes great. <laughs> oh, so, once yeah. you know, Christopher that- Daniels barely missed this list. <laughs> oh yeah, that also does make me want to ask Blake which Daniel Bryan head is gonna be on your Mount Rushmore, and please tell me it is the very weird image they have on him of Wikipedia in a wizard's cloak. cloak. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a bald head and that long beard. Yeah. I, oh, I uh, would love that. No, no, no. It, but... it, it, has, it has to be the planet's champion, doesn't it? Oh, um, yeah. It's gotta be the Daniel Bryan with the longest beard, because I'm gonna put him, instead of the Washington position, I'm gonna put him where Lincoln is. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because that yeah. would be uh that 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 would be during what is IC rain? Uh, Probably. Oh, yeah, I think so. Because before that's it got when he cut. was the most scraggly. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, Daniel's such a good pick because it's rare for a guy to be super beloved on the indies and then also have everything the main roster wants because if you need Daniel to do a comedy bit, Daniel can fucking fist me, boys! He double fist me! (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's one of the reasons that I love him so much because he has had such an impact on the wrestling industry as a whole. Um... But also because he is one of those people that the bad man who runs the company loves. Like, absolutely just fucking adores him to the point where Brian could do just about anything that he wanted in that company outside of being the main champion until the audience forced his hand and made him the main champion for however short of a reign it was. And then he came back. He was, um, then he got it again as the, the new Daniel Bryan and he was a wonderful heel. And then he went right back to doing fucking comedy shit. And he's amazing there. And now he's doing backstage creative stuff. He could fit literally anywhere in the wrestling industry. And he has, uh, I'm trying to remember what the phrase was, but my favorite thing about Daniel Bryan is it truly is the fans and whoever backstage made the decision that got him over it because they gave him a personality test when he joined the main roster. And I think the biggest point that came out of it for Daniel was the fact that he had zero ambition. <laughs> he had absolutely no ambition because on this personality test. And both of you know that that really resonates with me on a special level. Yes. Uh, All right. Well, uh, and one thing I do want to say, because I Daniel Bryan, like, he has cut some great promos in his time. He's not uh, the person that I'd go to for some of the best promos, of course, but his, his if you fight for your dreams, your dreams will fight for you promo is... One of my absolute favorite promos in the world ever. Yeah. His, uh, his one where, why did I turn, like, heel, where he talked about being in the incubation chamber, like, yep. with nothing else except his thoughts. Ah, beautiful. Uh, Dylan, would you like to <laughs> bring in your obvious choice? You fools! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, six odd years ago? On a random YouTube video, I saw my favorite wrestler of all time, uh, <laughs> and uh, he showed up in a fucking like uh, duster-length leather jacket, aviator shades, and the most anime villain fucking persona I think I've ever seen in professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> He was introduced by the Machine Gun Carl Anderson as the Cleaner Kenny Omega. And I fell in love with him as a wrestler <laughs> literally instantly. I saw him. I saw his promo against Taguchi before Wrestle Kingdom 9. And I was like, that guy. I like that guy. <laughs> that one's mine. That one's mine. And it never stopped. To this day, I still cheer and root and support everything Kenny Omega does. I'm burned out on wrestling completely and and utterly i'm on fumes largely because i gotta do school work and i'm trying to like you know do other life things but i still if any time i hear like hey kenny omega's doing this i was like fuck yes 
<laughs> there's a there's that pay-per-view next Saturday, and despite the fact that like it's right before the deadline of a major major paper I have, I almost want to buy an impact pay-per-view just to see if he becomes the unified champion. That oh, is yeah. how that is how deep my love of Kenny Omega is. Kenny o, like the so um like the Young Bucks got me into New Japan because I found the Young Bucks through searching around. But Kenny Omega, like, is what made me love, like, love, love wrestling. Because after I found Kenny Omega, I was just like, yeah, dude, everything about this, everything about everything. Because, like, Kenny Omega is the reason that that AEW exists. Kenny Omega is the reason why we have another company to talk about. Maybe not directly, like Tony Khan and the Bucks, but like him. And, like, when he left and he started AEW as one of the vice presidents, that was what got all of the smarks to go, Kenny Omega's, like, maybe the greatest wrestler in the world. Maybe this is a good company. Uh, <laughs> I, I will have you know, Dylan, that I almost got into a physical altercation with my brother um, on Sunday night because I was visiting my family and uh, I mentioned AEW because they were talking about WrestleMania. And he said that Kenny Omega sucks. And I almost <laughs> grabbed my brother, who is a foot taller than me and almost 10 years younger, by the scruff of his neck and said, you take that back right now because I'm going to have my even taller friend fight you. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that anybody ever brought up that I can't unsee now is my roommate. Uh, I was watching All Out from the first All Out when it was Pac versus Kenny. My roommate came in and he was like, these have to be the two wrestlers with the worst hair I've ever seen in oh, my yeah. life. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong, because at that time, Kenny was probably rocking his worst version of the mullet, and Pac's hair is a fucking abomination. <laughs> Pac has the... It's you better now. They, you know where they put, like, squid ink and spaghetti to make black dark spaghetti? That's Pac's hair. He's just got squid ink hair. Anyway, yeah, in the most prominent position I can in my Mount Rushmore is Kenny Omega, who I see as, like, the godfather of the new revolution of, of pro wrestling. Now, if you subscribe to us on Patreon.com slash a load of BS, you have been spoiled for what each of our first three were, because my first and most prominent face, and it will lead into Dylan's, I've been told, is... C.M. Punk. And I don't know why I said that like Eli Drake, but fuck yes, C.M. Punk. C.M. Punk. <laughs> Dummy, yeah. But Dylan really hit the nail on the head for why I love C.M. Punk with why he loves Kenny Omega is I loved wrestling, but C.M. Punk made me love, love wrestling. C.M. Punk is the reason why I said, like, if I don't, I'm going to be involved in this somehow, whether it be as a wrestler, as a podcast host, as a guy who makes a weird little wrestling audio drama, C.M. Punk was the guy. Like, I remember the night, you can't not talk about the fucking pipe bomb during this. And I remember the night, because at that time I didn't watch Raw Live, and I told this in my Wrestling History X as well, but... I just remember logging onto Facebook back when Facebook wasn't garbage and just a thread of people going, Kenny Omega's going to get fired. Or I'm not Kenny Omega. CM Punk's going to get fired. So what's going on with CM Punk? And it was just a thread of like everyone being shocked at the things he was being able to say. But then when you look back at his career, 
That's kind of what he always was. He would go out and just say whatever the fuck he wanted. It was just that night he got to say truly whatever the fuck he wanted. And, like, he's, he's not... He's not the most phenomenal in-ring worker, but he's definitely a step above, and because of his character and his relationship he built with the audience, he didn't have to do 450s. He didn't have to do springboard cutters. Like, he fucking hit an elbow drop off the top, and even with all that, the crowd would pop massively for him. And he, he really is good at building, pun intended, a cult of personality around him, where... Either people will love him or hate him. I don't think I've ever seen anyone in between on CM Punk. And that's one of my favorite things about him. And that's the funny thing, because on any given day, I could be either way about CM Punk. <laughs> Same. Same. It's it's really weird. Like, I'll hear something about CM Punk, and I'll be like, that son of a bitch. And then I'll hear CM Punk give an interview, and I was like, I, I like this guy. But no, uh, along with Scotty, it wasn't so much that CM Punk got me to love, love wrestling. CM Punk brought me back to wrestling. Like, yeah. uh, it wasn't even the day of. It was, I was in, oddly enough, it was back when I was in the Czech Republic for a bit, and I was on Reddit. It was like, yeah, Reddit sub of the day, or like, on this day, and it was CM Punk's pipe bomb. And, like, one of my friends has kind of got me back, and I was like, oh, yeah, wrestling, whatever. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, what's this? And then, like, it all cracked back. Because I had been deadened by the Cena era, and I, like, gave up. And then I saw that, and I was just like, oh. And, like, it all, like, the, 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 the passion for it again. And it was that same thing I did before where I, like, reached out like fucking Galactus and just started like, consuming all the wrestling knowledge that I could. And, like, now I have a small almanac of pointless goddamn wrestling knowledge. But, like, yeah. it was all because of him. Because, like, cause, like, the Young Bucks led me to New Japan, but, but CM Punk is what led me back to going on to, like, YouTube and eventually finding, like, internet forums, so I found the Young Bucks that led me. So it, was all, it all always goes back to oh, Punk. Yeah. I mean, I had the exact same thing because, I mean, I knew of New Japan and Ring of Honor, but I never really looked into it. Him name-dropping New Japan, Ring of Honor, Colt Cabana, all that is what got me into independent professional wrestling and then into PWG, New Japan, Ring of Honor. And in fact, I remember the exact video. It was called The Funny Side of Independent Wrestling, and it's still on YouTube, I believe. And it's just got clips of... The most ridiculous bullshit to ever happen in the ring. A majority of it being Chuck Taylor. <laughs> I I remember. Was um, the wait 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 was the uh the Ophidian uh and um oh whatever uh, the the fucking hypnotism bit there where they bring the no, cardboard I don't out because th- that's think... the best one. <laughs> they break <laughs> dance in the ring after hypnotizing them in CZW of all places. <laughs> My favorite is still the Chuck Taylor Archibald Peck match where halfway through the match they realize there are these massive paintings on the wall. I'm gonna drown you! (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 let's take pictures together. And then they just start posing and then Chuck looks and then just yeets Archibald into a sea of chairs. Nice. You know, the ironic thing about CM Punk is... Like I mentioned, WrestleMania 30 was my first major wrestling pay-per-view, I would say, as where I became a fan of professional wrestling. And it was just all after CM Punk. Like, my main introduction to wrestling was after Punk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Uh, it's a, sh- a shame, because his last WrestleMania match was fucking awesome. 
Yeah. Was that take? Yeah, that was yeah, take, take, take wasn't it? Which yeah. I, I've seen that match before. It's amazing. The build up to that match, him dumping Paul Bear's ashes all over himself and bathing in them. Fuck me. Yep. I I still remember like after Punk doing that, going back and watching the Punk shit, like coming out as Jeff Hardy and just making fun of him for being an alcoholic. The whole straight edge society. The fact that the he who shall not be named decided. Let's give this guy a microphone during the Royal Rumble and just have him go for the first 10 entrants. The Sermon on the Mound, baby. Oh, it was such good shit. Yeah, there was no way I wouldn't put Punk on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. All right. You can go again, Blake. We skipped me because I fucking... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You could... Um, okay, uh, let's go with a, a real basic one for me. Um, and I think that this is this guy would be on a lot of people's wrestling Mount Rushmore's because he ostensibly made wrestling uh, along with uh, another man who I'm sure we'll talk about at length at, during this uh, popular in the 90s during the Attitude Era. And that is none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. 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 Um, Old Col- my, Cold my father's, Steve. Cold my Steve. father's favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Probably, yep. probably a lot of your daddy's favorite wrestlers. Uh, because... My mom's favorite rest. My mom's favorite wrestler was The Rock, so of course. <laughs> um, fuck, man, I don't even know where to begin with Steve Austin because he's a guy that really he he started from essentially like being a good worker with a mediocre gimmick to being a guy who couldn't work as well as he used to anymore because of a literal broken fucking neck. Yeah. To becoming one of the most iconic wrestling characters of all time. That is still my favorite thing about Stone Cold, is that's why he does the weird head wiggle after he hits the stunner. <laughs> it's just like, my neck ain't hurt, you piece of shit! Fuck you! He, his... By the, so you're talking about the, um... Oh, the... Like, how the... Your dreams fight for you promo? Uh, like, like Austin's ECW promo. Yes. Like, his Hell intro yes. ECW promo. There's no Hulk Hogan's here. There's no Eric Bischoff's. There's no one to hold Steve Austin back. <laughs> and like you just, like, like I'm just like everything about that promo. Also, if I there's ever a Q and A with like Cody Rhodes, I'm gonna be like, so how'd your dad feel about Stone Cold about Austin just calling him out? Uh, I would love that because Stone Cold he is the guy where if you think of any crazy fucking thing that happened in wrestling around that time. Or anybody who tried to replicate it in the years since. It was Stone Cold. It was always Stone Cold. Stone Cold is the guy that came out in the beer truck. Stone Cold is the guy that uh, had literal beers thrown to him in the ring. He's the guy that was alright, like, flipping everybody off. He would come Stone out- Stone Cold stole a goddamn Zamboni. <laughs> he came out with Stone a Cold goddamn Zamboni. Stone Cold got hit by a car. <laughs> he did get hit by a car. He uh, fucking- I, there's uh, you couldn't name something in wrestling and say, oh, Stone Cold, he he went through some version of that. Yeah, he's the Simpsons of wrestling. Yeah. So yeah, every cinematic, uh, every cinematic match is essentially just a rehash of the uh, Stone Cold being the shit out of Booker T in a grocery store. <laughs> yes. Or Stone Cold being the shit. Check out. out- <laughs> Press check on jackass and aisle four. <laughs> <laughs> or Stone Cold going to a hospital and beating the shit out of he who shall not be named. Or yeah. Stone Cold riding a uh, riding an office chair down the entrance ramp yeah. while drinking beer. Yeah. 
And Don't like, Call Steve Austin just so awesome. <laughs> and he's so fuck. He's inappropriately funny to be like this badass character. But like, I rewatch. I watched his uh, Broken Skull sessions with Jericho just to see how much they talked about AEW. Which, uh, by the way, about one percent. Mm-hmm. And they replayed one of my favorite fucking segments of all time, and it wasn't even on TV. It was a dark segment after the show where Stone Cold just comes out and fucks with Chris Jericho for 10 minutes. <laughs> and, like, he tries to toss him a beer, and Jericho just keeps knocking it. He can't catch one. And Stone Cold looks like he just drop-kicked his dog in the ribs. <laughs> I That's one of my favorite things about Stone Cold, too, is if somebody fucking whiffed it catching that beer then you yeah. know you were going to eat a stunner. That uh-huh. <laughs> that Shane cell, because I'm not going to say his last name, but where he looked like a breaching whale after someone <laughs> stunned him. <laughs> Amazing. Every rock cell. Every, Every rock, rock cell. Oh, 110%. Yeah. Anyway. And Stone Cold would, like, he would still be one of the greats, but he would not be on this wrestling Mount Rushmore, if not for The Rock, which it was a hard decision between those two, but I was not going to put both of them on. I had two basic answers, and neither of them I went with. I I was debating about AJ or Cena, one of those two being on here. AJ. (laughs) Did the flat earther keep you from putting AJ? (laughs) No, it was just because, like... It was the gay community? It was. I love AJ Styles. I don't have a personal reason to put him on my Mount Rushmore. Unlike, much like CM Punk brought Dylan back into the re- into the wrestling, the man who's next on my Mount Rushmore and the man who brought me back into wrestling is none other than the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. He almost he almost made mine, but I wasn't there for his initial run. I was only there for his comeback, and that was magical. No, that's the funny thing, is the fact that the moment that got me back into wrestling was when they said DX was going to reunite. And I just remember D- DX from the 90s. So in this case, I guess Vince, a lapsed fan, got back because of a uh, nostalgia play. So props on you there. Now, it was the worst iteration of DX, but it did feature Hunter going to, I guess, the lunchroom at, at their headquarters, and Sean was just working there as a chef, <laughs> and he ends up super kicking a child who keeps asking him for salad. But no, dude, you can't not have old HPK on your Mount Rushmore. I mean, the man was a fucking legend. He was... Without Shawn Michaels, we would not have the ricochets of today. We would not have the smaller, the, even Rey Mysterio. You wouldn't have these smaller guys who, I guess, not ricochet, but like who get up to these higher points. How like he trained Daniel Bryan. Us, he did train Daniel Bryan as well, and that small man definitely got a few uh, looks, probably because of Shawn. And like when you look at the stuff he did in the '90s, like the Iron Man match with Brett. The, the Montreal Screwdrop, which I know not everyone's a fan of, but holy shit, it was definitely history-making. And if you want mm-hmm. something to generate heat for your heel fucking champion, that'll do it. Then the, he was uh, behind... The Elimination Chamber? Don't the, bring yeah. up the dookie, the dookie tights. The dookie tights and the yeah. I'm a little boy who loves berry and cream. <laughs> Berries and cream haircut. <laughs> also, he is a man that, like, 
I know he had his personal problems, but he was somebody who was not afraid to go out there and Im- literally embarrass Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was past the problems. That's when he was a born-again Christian. He just didn't yeah. want to... And he hated Hulk Hogan. He he made Hulk Hogan look like an asshole for everyone who never got to make Hulk Hogan look like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, of course, he was in DX. He, he was, I think, probably... He was also no. in the NWO. I know, that's what I was about to say if he was the only one, but no, uh, X-Pac slash Six-Pack was in both of them. But, yeah, like, one of the founding members of DX, which is arguably one of my favorite stables of all time because they like CM Punk just truly would go out and not give a fuck and it's one of my favorite things and it's something I think about now because I mean we get listeners but we don't get a lot of listeners and it reminds me of DX because the reason DX got away with so much shit is because Vince wasn't watching I'm sorry he who shall not be named was not watching he wasn't paying attention to the fucking segments so they just got away with whatever Including, like, the fucking one where they went out and said, the USA Network has given us a list of words that we cannot use on television. And they are as listed. <laughs> and then they just go down the whole thing. Or the time that they said, oh, hey, a WCW taping. Let's make a fake oh, yeah. tank. <laughs> Let's and go. Then, uh, and then past that, like, when he came back, it wasn't a nostalgia run. Motherfucker was just as good as ever. Uh, Better. Had... Yeah, better. I mean, he had, he had the arguably, probably the best WrestleMania match of all time with fucking Taker at twenty five. Then another banger at twenty six. Which that whole storyline is a wrestling history X in and of itself. He had that the ro- retirement. He had the retirement of Flair. Like he's Mister WrestleMania for a reason. Win, lose, or draw. Yeah, uh, and like that Royal Rumble before the Taker retirement match is phenomenal. Because it's all about Sean wanting to fight Taker, who was the champion at the time. And his elimination is my favorite elimination of anyone out of any Royal Rumble of all time. Because it looks like a fucking accident. He just, Batista bumps him, and you see him scramble for the ropes as almost saying, oh shit, oh shit, we fucked up the spot. And then he just lands and starts super kicking everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Alright, Blake, what's your next one? Alright, my next- I just kicked Stan! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's a good moment, too. Uh, my next one is probably- It might be a surprise to you guys, but I want you to imagine. Um, it's less than a year after I've gotten into professional wrestling for the first time, but all I know, outside of the, uh, the great videos that Scotty has shown me, like the Wrestling Road Diaries and uh, a lot of independent stuff, I don't know much about the gr- where wrestling is truly king. I don't know much about the country that has perfected professional wrestling. I don't know that much about Japan. And so I watch the uh I I I my uh my buddy says we're going to stay up real fucking late and we're going to watch the biggest show in this company called New Japan called Wrestle Kingdom. And this happened to be Wrestle Kingdom 9. And it was a great show. I got to see a lot of great shit. Like, uh, that's the first time I ever saw Kenny Omega um, on, uh, live on a pay-per-view. I mean, that's the first time I saw uh, Okada, Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi. That was some, of the, some of the greatest uh, wrestlers in New Japan right now. But that's also where I saw 
one of the most charismatic motherfuckers that I've ever seen in the world, Shinsuke Nakamura. And he- that is, wow, yeah. that's a good poll, actually. Yeah, but I was going back and forth on who it possibly could have been, but yeah, fucking yeah. Shinsuke is a good poll. And that be- back when he, back when he was back- the best. <laughs> Back when he was the king of strong, back when he had subconscious as his fucking theme song. The the Beaumier, the fucking, um, where he put in so much fucking work every single time. I remember Wrestle Kingdom 9. I remember that people say it's one of the best Wrestle Kingdoms. But out of that, the thing that I remember most is being captivated by that Nakamura Ibushi match. Like, absolutely. To the point where. Uh, it was Tanahashi Okada after that. I don't remember that match. It was just as good, if not better. I remember the IC title match from Wrestle Kingdom 9 more than most other matches I've ever seen. Because I was like, who the fuck is this Nakamura guy? Um, and I, I went back uh, and did a deep dive on some New Japan, like, good matches, but I focused on him. And uh, his, uh, his record... Uh, or the fact that, like, once he reinvented himself as the king of strong style, he really hit on a nerve that really resonated with me. And I still don't know why to this day, because he's the weirdest motherfucker, but he's great. <laughs> I'm looking at the card for Wrestle Kingdom 9. Holy fucking shit, this thing slaps. Yep, it was the first year that, uh, it was actually the uh, pay-per-view at which New Japan World was released. So it was the first oh, time cool. that an international audience could watch a watch mm-hmm. a Wrestle Kingdom. And we stayed up late as shit to watch it, too. Um, but it's... Uh, it, and Nakamura, uh, not to say that... I mean, we all, we all know the story with Nakamura going to the place. We all know. <laughs> um, because when he had his first match against Sami Zayn on NXT, fucking phenomenal. A five-star banger. That is where the Fight Forever chant started, essentially. Like, that is where it became... I'm pretty sure it might have happened before, but that's when people started doing it. No, that was it? that was it. Okay. Wait, really? I thought that that happened a long... Because I thought that happened during uh, Generico Stain a few times. Wow. God damn. That's, I mean, that's, that just goes to show. Not for a whole, not like a, like there was a, that was the first time, like, it was big. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I will say, to Nakamura's credit, man knows how to cut a deal. Like, he basically bagged an early retirement while he still got to wrestle a little bit in America and basically have the biggest vacation ever. Um, He just surfs. Everywhere they go, he just fucking surfs. I was mad about it at first until I realized how old he was. Yeah, until I realized what he was doing. And, like, that doesn't mean he could still fucking turn it on. Even this year, um, his Rumble promo has made me just, like, I know you can still do this, you bastard. You bastard. Stop <laughs> teasing me. But it's fine. You can enjoy your retirement, Nakamura, because you are the man that introduced me to Japanese wrestling, basically. So, mm-hmm. he deserves it. All right, so uh, on that note, I'll go with mine. So at that same uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and honestly, um, before Kenny Omega, when I was watching old things, uh, my favorite wrestler uh, lived in the rain. Uh, I have, 
I have and always will have an immense respect, and I cannot make a Mount Rushmore without Kazuchika Okada. Because while Tanahashi is the person that brought New Japan out of the Dark Ages from Inoki and kept it going for forever, Okada raised that company to new heights. When he said that I will take New Japan out of the sea and turn that sea into an ocean, he fucking did everything in his goddamn power. Before 30, he had literally transformed that company through his work with Tanahashi, Omega, Goto, everyone, Suzuki. That man has wrestled everyone at a five-star level. Like, he will get the best out of everyone. He got a four-star match at a fucking bad luck Fale. All right? He's only, <laughs> like he, he's only 33? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, they made him champion at fucking 26. Holy shit. The rain, the, the Rainmaker Shock back at uh, fucking Wrestling Dontaku, I think? No, New Beginning in somewhere. Uh, yeah. Where he just, out of nowhere, and like, I'm to this day convinced that they made him look like a dork at that Wrestle Kingdom, so that when he beat Okada, no one would see it coming. <laughs> and, and then he just, he just went with it, and now he's so established. And you need to understand, that man is wrestling with like, two slip discs. Yep. That's why he hasn't been in the main event. Guess who's gonna be in the main event in two, in a month and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Guess who's probably going to win the championship back because they made a new championship and they need somebody who looks damn good wearing gold. Yep. <laughs> who also does look like he could walk straight into a Dragon Ball Z like episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's that's it. That's the other thing is he is cross promotion. He was in a fucking anime. Like one of those card yep. game animes. He just showed up. And he didn't show up as a character. He showed up in fucking Kazuchika Okada. And everybody <laughs> just fucking went with it. That's how he good he like he was also in what's the fucking video game that had all the New Japan guys in it? Yeah, Yakuza. Yakuza. Yeah, he was in like, Yakuza. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he here's the th he's just he's such a giant fucking dork. He's such a goddamn <laughs> dork. There was that period of time where he had like the red hair and the balloons, and he would fucking do a springboard springboard clothesline. And he'd just yell yabba dabba do. Like <laughs> it's not even a joke. It's not even a joke. And he, like, he's just such a, like, even the best friends, like, the Bucks, everybody's just like, he's a giant fucking, but he goes out there, like, the motherfucker was chosen by his hometown to run the goddamn Olympic torch. Right. Like, the man, like, I can't, like, the respect I have for Okada, like, there are some matches where I, like, I root against, but my respect for him. And mm -hmm. always, in everything he's done for wrestling, for New Japan, for pro wrestling as a whole, like, he has to be there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, mine's similar in that vein. And unfortunately, I know Mount Rushmore is only supposed to have four heads on it. Mine will have five, because I had to include a couple of good Christian boys on my Mount Rushmore. That's fine. They can share. Yeah, and I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe, maybe not. And then literally yesterday, they put on a fucking match of the year candidate against on Pac. On free television. Fuck. Right? God damn. I, I take back everything we said uh, either last episode or the episode before about them because it's like, li we literally said, are we just getting bored because they're always so good? And then no. <laughs> yeah. No. We oh, were wrong. God, he Heel Bucks is so good. There was a moment during the match where Matt 
hot tagged himself in tagging in Pac <laughs> and then he does a fake baby face comeback and then starts crying. It was so good. Yeah, dude, the Bucks fuck it cuz like I was and I well I was a DVD collector and I always would like I'd grab the the Chronicles of Steen and Generico and I'd watch like three or four matches. I would watch the big Steen Generico matches and shit like that. When I bought a Bucks DVD, I just watch every fucking one of them because they're all bangers and they found a great way to take a spot monkey kind of that's how they were looked at with spot monkeys and then find a way to incorporate psychology in it and then also take what a lot of their predecessors like Zack Ryder with Z True Long Island Story or Cabana with The Art of Wrestling took all of this new digital media that was available to them and found a way to just fucking perfect it. Like, I know now, I, I assume they're going to slip back into it now that they're heel again. But for a while, when you would just jump on Twitter and they would be ranting about how much money they made at the merch booth, fucking killed me every single time. And, like, they also had probably one of my favorite not-talked-about-much matches and it was the Bucks and AJ Bullet Club teaming up against, I think it was Cedric Alexander, ACH, and Matt Seidel. In the end of that match, they murder Matt Seidel. They are the original wrestling trolls, too. Like, they oh, are yeah. absolutely, they understood, like, and they still understand that, like, Oh, people talking shit? Alright, let's lean into this 100% and we're still gonna make money. All we have yeah. to do is annoy these people. Jim Cornette, you are our biggest moneymaker, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just gotta discuss them murdering Matt Seidel more because it was beautiful. It was, if I remember correctly, like double super kick into Meltzer Driver, then they dump him behind. AJ catches him in the Styles Clash, and I'm like, oh, this must be Indy Taker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lift up Indy Taker. Indy. Yeah, Matt Seidel died. I'm surprised every time I see him. I just remember when he got set up for the Styles Clash, you're like, oh, this must be the end. And then they just kick him in the face one more time for good measure. That match fucking rules. That is one of my favorite matches I ever got to see live. And that's the thing about the Bucks. Always great to see live, no matter what. Like The Bucks, the Bucks have perfected the art of... Um, complimenting a singles wrestler to build an unforgettable three-man team. Oh, yeah. Because whoever they're with. Hangman, AJ, Omega, up fucking obviously. Adam. Oh, yeah, Adam, yeah. And they all felt different. It never felt like the Bucks just grabbed someone and just did the shit they did with Adam. Like, no, their dynamic with Adam was different with their, than their dynamic with Hangman, different than Omega. Like. They're so fucking adaptable. And that's the weird thing is, like, when we talk about, and I'm going to definitely talk about versatility in wrestling in a few, and talking about evolving your character, the Bucks never, like, you you didn't have a American badass period of the Bucks. They were just always the Bucks, just a little bit different. And yet, I, the, the, the beginning, my favorite version will always be the beginning of the Bullet Club suck it version of the Bucks. That was the greatest. Oh, yeah. 
I remember like, junior heavyweight bucks is my favorite period. They're great now, but junior heavyweight bucks, even though the like the match quality wasn't as good because they got better, but character wise, oh my god, I they remember... kicked a small child in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I remember buying the Red Dragon DVD, which no offense to Red Dragon, they're fucking phenomenal on their own. But I remember buying their DVD just to watch the Bucks matches because they. They had amazing matches with them. Uh, the fucking Future Shock Super Smash Bros. Bucks match uh, at, I think, was that? I don't think that was DDT4. I can't remember what PWG show that was. But yeah, the Bucks always put on a great show. And to people who say like, oh, they're spot monkeys. No, they've got amazing character building behind it. Amazing psychology. Do you, do you, you remember when Matt Jackson sold his back for a year and a half? <laughs> Out well, of that was, spite. That was his character for a whole year. And then, of course, BTE coming out of that. I mean, like, you talk about Kenny being responsible for AEW, but I feel like BTE also was a big part of that. Like, I know they all had a reason. Like, Cody was the one who came up with the idea for Double or Nothing. Nick came up with the idea for BTE, which helped them getting even bigger. Like, all of them kind of came together, and it was thanks to... I. I believe tony was thinking about it before the elite got involved but even then like if it wasn't for the members of the elite cody included aew would not it may exist it wouldn't still exist i'll yeah, say that because if it wasn't like uh it would have just been all in and that would have been it yeah you know oh god i fucking love the bucks yep okay Blakey t so your final member on your Mount Rushmore. I actually intended this guy to be first, but we uh we <laughs> we went with whole, the whole Daniel Bryan, which was going to be my finale. So I I yeah. apologize if uh I I leave with a whimper instead of a bang. But I do want you to imagine this man, who honestly for me as a child watching what little wrestling I watched from you know staying up late and um seeing my dad watching uh. R-A-W, uh, there, is, there were a lot of characters, and yeah, I remember the Stone Colds, I remember the Rocks, and they were cool, but they didn't put the fear of fucking Jesus in me like this man. <laughs> like, this man's storied career, who, I will admit, the last few years have not been kind to him. He is personally a problematic individual, that I will admit. <laughs> But God, he has taken a lot of Saudi Arabian blood he's money. He's taken a lot now, of it. But if it makes you feel better, I don't know what Dylan's pick is, but I think this whole round is the fuck. They're so good, but they are <laughs> problematic. Round. Nope, it's just okay. you two. Just, yeah, just us. <laughs> and I am, of course, talking about the Undertaker because I don't think that my Mount Rushmore would be complete without him because I value characters so much and because i love gimmicks and yeah. there is no is, hmm. is it sad that my favorite version of undertaker is big evil no i'm uh, fine with that no. i'm fine yeah. with that but when, like when you were introducing taker by the way i thought you were going to go a different route with someone who i want to i'm going to pepper in honorable mentions along the way but old Mick Foley is an honorable mention Absolutely. for mine. Absolutely. Because holy shit. Absolutely. But, like, there are certain things about The Undertaker. Like, the streak. It came out of nothing. But it just a, a coincidence that this man kept winning at WrestleMania. And they said, all right, who's going to fucking beat him? 
who's finally going to fucking beat him. And I'm going to be honest, it was a shock, but it was something special when he was beaten by Brock Lesnar. They ruined it afterwards, but that moment... I I think the opposite. I think it was rough in the moment, and Paul Heyman fixed it the very next night. I did see an interview... I saw an interview with Edge where he was like, yeah, they were going to have me snap the streak, and... um. I told him, fuck no. I told him, absolutely not. I am not the one to do this. The only person the only person before Lesnar would have been Punk. Yeah. Uh-uh. Which is... I was thinking Cena, maybe, but... Uh, I get... If you incorporate, like, storyline and everything, maybe, yeah, Punk. Yeah. But, um, anyway, The Undertaker as a character, he has, he has gone through a lot of transformations, and honestly, I haven't really hated any of them. Except for, like, the, uh, the big, long trench coat uh, taker right before he returned to the dead man at WrestleMania 30, essentially. Um, he, that was kind of hit or miss for me, but he went through so many periods of being literally a character that should not work. That should not work in any sense of the word, because he is a dead oh. man who appears randomly, who comes back from the dead on every <laughs> single <laughs> occasion... <laughs> Who rides out on a motorcycle to a Limp Biscuit song. <laughs> but goddamn, it was all so perfect at every single moment. This motherfucker kept rolling, rolling, rolling. And earlier in his <laughs> career, he was uh, he was pretty good, damn good in the ring. Um, but he he did so many integral things to the wrestling business. He had so many like great matches either by the build-up or by the match themselves. I know, Scotty, you mentioned uh, Mania 25 with Shawn Michaels. That was fucking amazing. That was, by the way, the longest match at that WrestleMania. Well, yeah. Um, take, Taker, Taker likes to take his yeah, time. Taker takes his time, and he retired Shawn Michaels. And he fucking, uh, like... I, I just can't say... I, I remember being a child, and... Um, Seeing these promos for Raw, I'm really tired of doing the censored thing at this point. But, uh, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody was so terrified of The Undertaker because, no, he's dead. We buried him. We literally buried him. But he kept coming back. Yeah. Oh, I love, um, uh, it was during Edge's Hall of Fame speech, which is my favorite Hall of Fame speech of all time. He was talking about Matt Stryker, and he goes, just so you know, Matt Stryker is terrified of The Undertaker. At, shoot, not even in character. Like, he's ter- if, you, if you pan to Matt Stryker right now, there's a bead of sweat running down his nose as he's going, where's Taker? Oh my god, it's Taker. Where's Taker at? And famously, The Undertaker is terrified of cucumbers. He's terrified of Matt Stryker. Uh. Yeah, I, I will say, like, as, uh, also, bar none for me, easily top three entrances. Maybe even my favorite entrance, like, overall, in professional wrestling. Just the, as a whole, like, because it is a show. The entrance for The Undertaker is literally an event in itself. It is. It also lasts as long as an event. So, um, <laughs> so... So we were talking about problematic wrestlers. I would like to talk about the least problematic wrestler. I'd like to talk about somebody that many Americans would like to see in public office. Uh, if you smell! Yes! There you go. 
So I only caught the tail end when I was watching wrestling, like bits and pieces when I was first getting into wrestling of The Rock, of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I caught every single bit of Hollywood rock, and it was the greatest <laughs> goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. Every bit of it. Because I, I, that was one back in the time where I was like in like fucking grade, middle school. Like, fuck, I didn't have friends. I would just watch Raw every week. And I saw all of his concerts. I saw the whole feud with the fucking hurricane. Every bit of it was amazing. And I went back and I watched him during his last run when he came back in a different role and different position. The Rock is the only person who could have pulled off coming back in three different decades yep. and being being a, uh, an integral player every time and being a champion every time. He's one of the few people to be like a world champion in three separate decades. Mm-hmm. And it was, while it did, you know, cost one of my other Mount Rushmore people their place, like it was, it was, it was, it's so great every time you see The Rock because, like, he just, he just has it. Like, yeah. is he the best? Is The Rock the best worker? No, no. It's like in WWE, it's history. It's probably like Daniel Bryan, maybe Bret Hart. But like, The Rock could captivate an audience. The Rock could have it in time. Even as a heel, he knew he had a whole audience eating out of the palm of his hand. And he used that against him. And he made some of the greatest promos mm-hmm. on earth. He could make I, I, a crowd erupt by a single raising of his eyebrow. I remember there was one, pro- I think it was the time he came in just to kind of hang out and then like do a segment with the New Day. Where I don't think The Rock had a script. He just fucking went out there and for like 10 minutes, he's talking shit to the crowd. He's messing with like kids in the front row. And he, there was nothing. There was no purpose to the segment. But even then, it's still one of my favorite segments of all time. I just remember the bit where he just walked backstage and just buried everyone. Buried Big Show, buried Rusev by saying he fucked Lana. Oh, yeah. Like, just <laughs> hey, hey, the you're whole all right. way around. <laughs> it was, like, like, The Rock just comes like comes and goes as he pleases, and he's just, he's so good at it. Like, and like oh, I said, every fucking... version of him is so different, yet so amazing. And, like, I feel like, like, yeah, Stone Cold made, made, uh, made wrestling cool, but The Rock showed that wrestling, like, was universal that like the skills in wrestling yeah that that wrestling was a an art because the artists from it could transition yeah exactly because he went from that to i know he's i mean he's done a lot of work but he is he was at one point the highest grossing uh actor in hollywood i mean he i he he showed you this like yeah i could fuck a bitch up I could just hit him with my fucking great elbow and also star in this movie. (laughs) I still, my favorite promo from the Hollywood era was the one where he, they were in Toronto. He goes, the rock has come back to Tehran. Tehran. Tehran is mouth on all you candy asses. (laughs) What was it? All I remember is fast like a buck. The greatest thing to come to Canada because the maple leaves suck. It's the hardest I've seen a seen a crowd turn. Like, oh, oh, oh! That's where I live. I'm gonna go cheer for you. You make the rock sick. <laughs> this, he's also amazing at just staying in character no matter what. Um, I remember this. Uh, it's one of these tiny things about the rock, like that somebody posted just a gif of him 
literally, uh, he had a cup of orange juice in his hand. And he, uh, he hit it up against somebody else, and a little bit of orange juice, you could clearly see, splatters in his eye. It, the Rock, like, winks, he closes his eye, shakes his head, and he's back to being The Rock. That is <laughs> fucking orange juice in your eye. Well, <sighs> on to mine, and we're back to the... Uh, it, it, I hate it, because my, <laughs> my final member of my, uh, my Mount Rushmore is an individual who is... Proven to be so problematic, we've created a whole segment on the show devoted to it. But also, when I look back at, like, when I sit down to write episodes of JWF Ignition, or when uh, I think, like, sorry. So sorry how to... Uh, huh. Sorry, um, before I forget, are you wearing two fucking watches? Yeah, 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 I'm wearing my, uh, my grandfather's watch in a Fitbit. <laughs> okay. Continue. Nice. It, that, tie, that lack of style ties greatly into your pick. <laughs> but like when I sit down to write an episode of JWF Ignition or if I think like oh this character's getting stale or what do I want to do with this or hell like even in my normal actual life when I approach it it I it's the teachings of Chris fucking Jericho that come back to me like everything I know about creating wrestling like how to prevent characters from being stale how to evolve your characters naturally it all comes from chris jericho because that motherfucker can literally do anything he could go from making orange cassidy have a blood feud with him to a singing segment backstage with mjf he could stand there and read off a list of a thousand and four holds and figure out a way to make the audience at home think that he was reading it through the entire commercial break. He's a genius of professional wrestling, and I feel like I would be amiss if I didn't put Chris Jericho on this list. Man loves I mean, his lists. I mean, the his return promo in 2007, I think it was, because... He had two big, well, three technically, but he had two big returns. He had his uh, debut promo, which of course is iconic. He had the return promo, which was literally the exact same fucking setup as his debut promo, but he still knocked it out of the park. And then he, um, then he had the one in 2012 where because he knew he was coming back as a heel and he knew his return promos had become iconic, he decided... If they're going to cheer for me, if when I speak, I'm just not going to fucking speak. And so he took the thing that makes the crowd love him the most and took it away. That's also the reason why I think he is currently not in the best shape in AEW is because he's like, people can make fun of me for this. That adds to my heel character. The man knows how to get heat. He knows how to get cheered and he's willing to go to insane lengths to devote to that character mm -hmm. he also just comes up with some of the wackiest shit which i do have to appreciate yeah like well, i mean that came from back in wcw he was like no one was watching my segments much like dx so i would just come out and say shit like i want you to want me <laughs> or gunter glieben glotten globen and it didn't it didn't matter he would just say whatever that he because he realized, and once again, like, from, I think it was either in Mexico or Japan, one of them, they worked daily shows. They didn't Mexico. work, like, it was Mexico? Yeah, they worked daily shows, and because of that, he knew 
that the same people were coming every single night, which meant that he had to learn how to adapt on the fly. That way, every single week or every single day, they weren't coming and getting the same shit as yesterday. And it, like, yeah, there's so much shit from the backstory of Jericho that really evolved him into who he is, and it made him... It, it, like, that's why I do love the indies, why I love these people who go off to New Japan and then go to England and do, like, Rev Pro or WXW. And I love the people who travel because it forces you to learn more about your craft and learn how to adapt to numerous different styles. And Jericho was really the blueprint for that. Yeah. I Go on, Dylan. Oh, no, I was just talking about how this has been a good segment. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I, I will say one last thing about Jericho, his original debut. He debuted against The Rock, which is not something any normal human being can do, and he held his own, which I think yep. really cemented his debut and, like, really showed what he's capable of. And the funny thing is, like, everyone talks about that. They don't talk about... The two years after that, where they just decided not to do anything with that whole rock rivalry, and he just kind of had to swallow in the muck, but because he was so good at everything he did, like, I think he uh, held the IC title with China, like, as co-champions, but even then, he worked with it, and because of that, Vince was like, we're gonna put, we're gonna have you beat the two biggest names in the history of professional wrestling in the same night to become champion, and apparently... His story of that night is fucking hilarious because he was like, yeah, yeah, Vince, before it happened, just was talking to somebody and he said, yeah, this is how you know the company's going to shit is because we're putting the belt on Jericho. And then after that, he went back to his hotel room, got locked out, and he dropped the pizza he had ordered on the ground. It is the saddest championship win of all time. Also, a man, I think there is nobody more pickled in the professional wrestling industry because I don't understand how Chris Jericho drinks as much as he does. Oh, yeah. True. All right. Well, we did it. We've established our Mount Rushmores. Uh, I had the Bucks. I had Jericho, Shawn Michaels, and CM Punk. Blake had... I had Taker, Austin, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Daniel Bryan. I had The Rock, CM Punk, Kazuchika Okada, and the cleaner Kenny Omega. So what do we do next week? I kind of want to do top five stables because I don't want to blow the, the best matches load too quickly. Okay. Oh, God. Okay, we're going to have to, like, like consensus this. Yeah, that, that's... Not, we can't do individual. There's going to be too much overload. It's got to be a consensus thing. I was going to do it, like, top five beatdown on Watcher where, like, if, if there's any overlap, we could... Because I feel like we're all going to put that d the Ding Dang Bullet Club on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we'll do a consensus of our top five, and then we'll also do some honorable mentions up top, so that way we can still fill time. But until then, what did you boys learn this week? Oh. I learned that y'all got some problematic Mount Rushmore's. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one, maybe two, you know. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, fuck me. I I learned that Blake is the most predictable and unpredictable member of this call. Because I came into this knowing Daniel Bryan. Not even like, oh, I bet he will. Like, no, I knew Daniel Bryan would be there. But then you threw out Shinsuke. Yes. And I learned that uh, 
my brother sucks and I need Dylan to come beat him up because he's taller than him. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, Blake, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Video on YouTube and the Future Best Friends on YouTube. And here on the BS Network, doing all the good shit. And you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and check out all my other podcasts from Fun Fiction, The Mini Adventures of Sammy Magic, or JWF, Monday Night Ignition, and make sure to go to patreon.com slash jointheweird and support The Weird. It's my brand new TTRPG actual play podcast. It's essentially what happens if Twin Peaks had a weird baby with the X-Files gravity falls in my bullshittery. And that can be found at patreon.com slash join the weird or at join the weird on Twitter. Dylan had to go eat some steaks and crab cakes, so I will be the one to say, as I always do, I don't know why I made this so weird. <laughs> yeah, what? Special thanks to Mega Ran for our theme song, Fighters. Uh, go support Mega Ran. Go listen to his music. I think you would like it because I like it. Oh, wait, I'm getting a text from Dylan right now. It just says, I don't need your follows. I don't need your concern. <laughs> and as always, you can find us at aloadedpurebs.com. Step up to the merch table at merch.aloadedpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life. <laughs> <laughs>